Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. This week, we are focusing on the digital revolution or the digital evolution and how technology continues to transform the way we live, the way we connect, the way we do everything. And in pursuit of finding unique topics and, and guests and themes. I always noodle around. I'm constantly reading. And I discovered an, an article uh, in The Atlantic this past month entitled The Space Between, which talks about the next stages of the digital revolution, which is transforming everything and the way we do everything from homes and cars to industry to national defense to the way we connect with our loved ones, the way we are going to, in the future, handle our health care and medicine. And that's really what we are talking about today. My first guest is Dr. James Malt. He is the Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Qualcomm Life. Dr. Malt has spent more than 30 years as senior in senior executive positions in health IT and medical device industries, as well as clinical medicine. He is the named inventor of over 80 issued and pending U.S. patents for a variety of novel health information and medical device innovations. Welcome, Dr. Malt. Thanks for sharing some of your day with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, it is a pleasure. Let's talk about this space that we are talking about that this Atlantic article you know really delves into you know the space within the space without the space beyond and of course the space between and nanotechnology well it's a really exciting time uh, in healthcare uh, particularly because uh, we now have the opportunity to to unlock if you will 
the the enormous amount of information that our bodies are generating, and yet, uh, for the most part, even our modern healthcare system hasn't had the ability to to pay attention to that information, and even worse, hasn't been able to to stay connected with you. In other words, healthcare uh, up until you know what's happening now has been has been very disconnected and and frankly very haphazard. Um, and so technology, uh, the way it's allowing you and I to connect right now, is going to allow you know doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and also family caregivers and alternative uh, uh, therapy providers, everybody to be to be able to connect around delivering better care to you and for you to be better connected even to what's going on with your own body. And from anywhere in the world. That's the other part of this that is exactly fabulous. Um, And when we're talking about nanotechnology, we're talking, you know, just how small are we really talking? Well, we're talking about things that, that are, are, essentially uh, almost invisible to your daily lives and and that's very important if it's if it's intrusive if it's uh, uh, burdensome if it's big and clunky those those things just are are going to be in the way and 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 too complicated to to deal with so you're talking about things that blend into your everyday lives uh, like you know, you're seeing things like watches and 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 your your phones, but also uh, sensors and even uh, little stickers uh, that that will be available. Um, you know, once a year when you when you get your annual you know health exam, uh, that sticker might be something that that actually. Uh, you wear for for a few days, and then when you come in, then that sticker will be able to to tell your healthcare provider much more about what's what's going on with you and your body, and be able to see things that, frankly, we've never been able to see before in in healthcare, and be able to say, hey, I, you know, this isn't a problem now, but we're seeing an early indication of, uh, of certain, uh, you know, data that that's going to help us prevent this from becoming a big problem two years from now. So when you're talking about the sticker, the sticker like, or the patch, let's say is, is, is applied to the body and it's taking multiple kinds of readings. Perhaps it's taking, um, blood pressure. It's registering, um, I, I don't know. You, you're the doctor. You tell me. Sure. What are these things picking up on? Because this is incredible. Because it's non-invasive and it tracks things over a period of time, which gives a better indicator of really what's going on in someone's body. Well, it's fascinating because because we're just now learning things that we never knew before in medicine, uh, like just a simple um, what we call motion sensor. Um, the the motion sensors can they're so sensitive they can they can pick up um, if you're limping if you you know if you've 
had a hip replacement. They can even sense the 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 way you're walking if you're if you don't have that spunky you know energy in your step. Maybe you're you're having some some depression as an example, and oh. um, you know it's 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 a whole new science. Uh, and what's fun is this can all be done in a very safe environment that's that's you know extremely uh, secure and private because I know a lot of people have have concerns about that that type of thing. Um, but what it's going to do is is as you said even with blood pressure measurements i mean the the sad thing is in traditional medical care you know i'm a heart surgeon if you came to me uh you know and we diagnosed you with high blood pressure i'd write a prescription for the appropriate blood pressure medicine and then off you go um, I hope you get that prescription filled at the pharmacy, and I hope that you're taking that medication, and I hope that the medication is working and it's it's bringing your blood pressure under control. But the sad truth is, I have no idea until you come back for the follow-up office visit, typically three or six months from now, and only then do I find out whether or not you were able to afford your medication, whether you took the medication, and whether that medication might or might not be working. So, so with this new world of, of wearable sensors and, and connectivity to, to different medical devices that, that people can have very easily in their homes, we'll now be able to give you that medication and then be able to have you plugged in so that we can see over the next couple of weeks what's going on with your blood pressure and is your blood pressure now under control? Because if it's not, we should get right back together and figure out what's working, what's not working, and, and that's just better for everybody. Not only better for everybody on a physical level, but I'm thinking better for the patient on an emotional level to feel as though one is being looked after, cared uh, about, tracked. You, I mean, you know, it's you, kind of you, you warm and fuzzy. More right. Well, <laughs> yeah. it it is, and and the you know, and I've been doing this as you said for a long time, and it's 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 absolutely moving to see the the feeling, especially somebody that's got some real health problems. Um, you know, I'll use a personal example. My mother developed Parkinson's uh, and, and you know, when, when people get older and they develop uh, some serious uh, health issues, you'll find if you have a family member, they, they almost live from one doctor appointment to the next. They can tell you when their next doctor appointment is. And in between those doctor visits, they feel almost a bit isolated and, and, and you know, out in the, out in the cold. And, and these, these new programs and, and systems are like a warm blanket that that you can wrap around a patient and and they feel like there's someone there 
looking out for them and including the fact that a lot of these systems allow your own family members to be plugged in. So my sister in, in Philadelphia and my brother in Seattle, uh, even though I had my mom here in, Cal in Colorado, uh, could all be plugged into what's going on with mom and mom knew that we were plugged in with her. And, and I think you're exactly right. This, this is really a, a positive thing. Um, and it's all, as I said, done in a very, you know, privacy consent controlled mechanism. So, so people shouldn't worry about kind of the big brother uh, issue that comes up, you know, in, in a lot of people's minds uh, uh, from time to time. It really is a positive. It's, it's, you know, a family caregiver who's, who's there for you, who can, who can get an alert or notification um, if something's not right with mom this morning. I think this is incredible. I am excited to learn more and share more. We're going to take a break, and I want to send our listeners over to www.qualcomlife.com to learn more about nanotechnology and how nanotechnology is leading the customization of healthcare, which not only provides better care, but in the long run and short run makes us happier because we know we are being looked after. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you are just joining us now, I absolutely 500% urge you to download and share this podcast because we're talking about breakthroughs in nanotechnology, the customization of healthcare, 
And this is something that everybody needs to know about because this is our future of how the digital revolution is bringing us closer to one another and closer to better health care with less intervention and less um, pervasiveness in our day with travel to doctors, et cetera, et cetera. My guest is Dr. James R. Malt. He is the vice president and chief medical officer of Qualcomm Life. And we're just prior to the break, we were talking about what this nanotechnology is doing for us on a daily basis, um, some of the things that it can monitor simply by the use of a sticker or a patch. So Dr. Malt, talk about some of the innovations and some of the things that you're working on right now, which are really, I think, mind-blowing. Well, it's a lot of fun. We, we are an enabler for uh, what, what's called an ecosystem, meaning there's uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of different um, medical device uh, companies and and even pharmaceutical uh, manufacturers, uh, retail pharmacies like Walgreens, all working with us as well as uh, you know uh, doctors and and health systems uh, to to start using the these technologies for for various settings. And I'll start to give you some examples here. So uh, as an example, Walgreens now has the ability when you buy a blood pressure meter or weight scale uh, in the pharmacy, the, the data coming off of those devices can be connected and then uploaded and, and shared with um, you know, your doctor or your pharmacist. And, and in this case, uh, you can actually even earn uh, you know, balance rewards points, which turns into, you know, up to $10 per month, uh, free gift card to buy things at, at Walgreens. So you're seeing programs that actually incentivize, uh, people and reward them for healthy behaviors and for connecting, uh, to their providers. Uh, another great example is, um, you know, asthma. So when, when, a, and when a child is having an asthma attack and using that inhaler, we often, you know, not just the medical professionals, but even, you know, mom and dad don't know uh, that, that their son or daughter is having that asthma attack and is using that inhaler. What you'll see uh, in, in the next uh, year or so are a number of different uh, devices that are connected so that so that every time the child might be using the asthma inhaler or a, a drug is being injected, uh, uh, even diabetes monitoring, that information can be connected and transmitted so that the the doctors and nurses and family members uh, who are interested in, in knowing what's going on and can take better care of you, have that information in, in real time. And one more example, it's, it's often a little uh, unclear as to the, to the benefit, but we now have the world's first uh, Bluetooth connected home pregnancy test uh, that came out <laughs> of, yeah, I know people chuckle and, and, and uh, it, it's always, more than, you know, I have to point out, this is more than just uh, someone being able to 
post their pregnancy result on Facebook and and making a, a few people nervous. Um, it's it's really uh, a scenario where we're going to start seeing a lot of home tests, uh, not just home pregnancy, but things like home flu tests and home strep tests, where historically, even with the pregnancy test, y- y- you can take these tests at home and you get the result and they're very accurate. And yet nobody in the healthcare system knows about it. It's, it's kind of your little secret. And so we force uh, people, women in, in the case of pregnancy, to have to you know, make an appointment with the doctor and go somewhere and, and delay often uh, the prenatal care by a matter of sometimes weeks. So you can go in and get the official test when you knew you were pregnant, you know, weeks ago. And in, in a lot of cases, um, we could have been teaching and educating about stopping smoking, stopping uh, drinking, getting the prenatal vitamins going. Um, in the case of a home strep test, for all of us who've had, had kids at home with a fever and a sore throat, uh, you know, the number of times we've had to uh, take time off from work, make an appointment with the pediatrician, drive somewhere, park somewhere, sit in a waiting room with a lot of other sick kids with fevers just to get a strep test uh, to find out whether or not uh, your, your child uh, needs some antibiotics. Now there's the potential of doing these types of things in your home and having the results transmitted to your pediatrician and saving you the exposure to all the other sick kids in the, in the clinic and so forth. So I think you're going to start to see this empowerment of, of, of consumer health to the extent that it, 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 it creates better, faster care uh, that's, that's way more convenient and it's smarter care because it, you know, when we look at models of of everything else we used to do, like you know, when you think of the travel industry, we used to drive to a travel agent and sit down with them and tell them where we wanted to fly and where we wanted to go. Now all of that comes to us, and it's actually at our fingertips on our phones, and we can book a flight in a matter of seconds and get our boarding pass, you're gonna see healthcare coming to you on your terms, and and that's what these technologies are, are going to enable. It, it, and I'm, as, I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of other areas that I can see this being extremely helpful. Somebody, for example, who needs a sleep study, you know, someone who is epileptic that's having seizures, and those all of that can be tracked in, in real time. Um, a heart patient who, who's being tracked for heart irregularities, where it used to be you had to wear the monitor, send the monitor in, and, and it took time to process all that and get a result. So this is really delivering this care so much more efficiently. Oh, you couldn't be more right. And and what this does is it moves us from what we talked about a little bit, uh, which is currently it's our healthcare system is episodic. It's haphazard, mm. and it's and it's sadly it's it's embarrassingly uninformed. In other words, we don't really have any idea what's what 
what your body uh, is experiencing, um, you know, during all that time in between doctor visits. And now what what you have is an opportunity to be able to see, as you said, you know, what is the pattern of, of that epilepsy? What is the behavior of, of that of that heart issue? And, 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 you know, that's just always been, been the, 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 the missing piece in being able to take better care of people. Our, our healthcare system is very crisis man or crisis, uh, kind of uh, approached because we just don't have the insight to know what's going on with people um, until it becomes an emergency. And then, you know, and then obviously there, there's a lot of difficult challenges when things have progressed to the point where it's become an emergency and a crisis. So by having this connectivity um, you're going to move from episodic care to a continuous care model where we'll be able to, not just we, but you yourself as a human being will be able to, to, to start to see things you know, much earlier when they're, they're very subtle and the sensors will pick up stuff. Um, you know, just like an, an, an airplane right now, it's got an autopilot system that's monitoring all the engines and the hydraulics and the airspeed. And it's, it's monitoring that, you know, continuously. And if there's an early problem, it's going to let the pilots know about it, you know, hopefully long before that engine suddenly stops working. We want to know that there's some engine trouble developing you know, long before it becomes a crisis. Uh, so yeah. we can we can do something about it. Well, I'm thinking about the brakes on a car, for example, that you want to know when those treads are wearing thin <laughs> before you get down to the rotors, you know? <laughs> you got that right, exactly. And funny oh. enough, I mean, the truth is, you know, when you bring your car into the, into the, into the service now, what does the mechanic do? The mechanic just plugs your car into a computer and runs all these diagnostics and can see what's been going on with that car, um, you know, for the past year or two. And, and yet we don't have the benefit of any of that uh, capability until now when it comes to our own bodies. Um, you mentioned to me um, how this nanotechnology is being used in biofeedback and, and meditation or mindfulness practices. And can you talk a little bit about this exciting project that you're working on? Sure. This, this is now, you know, not just about transmitting data, you know, to your healthcare provider, but, but giving each individual insights about their own body that will help guide their hopefully healthy behaviors uh, throughout the day. And, and, and I'll give you a couple examples. One, uh, United Healthcare itself has, with, with uh, a partnership we announced a, a few weeks ago, uh, launched the world's first health plan that's actually built around a wearable device and 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 this wearable device literally 
is able to see your activities throughout the day and and essentially coach you into a, a, a set of of uh, of activities that have now shown to result in a significantly improved health outcome. Uh, and it turns out that just walking a, a number a certain number of steps per day um, wasn't enough. So you know if we all sit in our chairs all day long for 10 hours and then finally get out of our chair and walk around uh, and get 5,000 steps, it turns out that that's not uh, you know particularly healthy. So so we learned that getting someone up out of their chair, once an hour for five minutes and moving around um, and doing that for multiple hours throughout the day actually can impact your own health and improve it. And so United is now actually allowing employees in these health plans to earn $4 per day, $120 per month, up to $1,500 per year for themselves and another $1,500 for their spouse. So that's, you know, almost $3,000 uh, that can be deposited into your health savings account in return for, for these types of activities throughout the day. And, and they actually give you the wearable device uh, for free as a part of the, of the, of the health plan. And it, it actually gives you feedback throughout the day and coaches you. Wow. Now, what you're going to what you're going to see is that you're going to be able to use these sensors to actually see how you're doing with things like relaxation and meditation. Actually, biofeedback, so you can you can watch your your heart rate and what's called heart rate variability and your respiratory rate get into a, a, a pattern of 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 uh, peace and relaxation. And we all know that that's better for your bodies, it's better for your mind and and your spirit. And again, we will all win. And your happiness and our happiness. And your happiness. You we, have, we have run out of time. I, I wanted to ask you more questions. So maybe you'll come back again and, and chat more about this and, and give us updates of, of, of technology that's coming online in a few months because this is our future and this is going to make us definitely happier and healthier individuals. And thank you for the work that you do. And clearly it is your happiness <laughs> that I can, that I can tell from oh, the conversation. It's yeah. Definitely. It's, it's definitely a passion of yours. Thank you to learn more about um, nanotechnology and the work of Dr. James R. Malt. Please visit Qualcomm. Edit that out. Sorry, Karina. Please visit qualcomlife.com. Once again, that's qualcomlife.com. Thank you, Dr. Malt. Lisa, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, likewise. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. 
Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are continuing our discussion about technology transforming the digital revolution. We are talking about nanotechnology. And my next guest is a professor in the Department of Pharmaceutical Sciences at Northeastern University. Dr. Heather Clark received her PhD in analytical chemistry from the University of Michigan and completed a postdoc in the Center for Cell Analysis and Modeling at the University of Connecticut Health Center. Dr. Clark's research focuses on the development of nanosensors to measure concentrations of ions and small molecules at the cellular level, as well as in vivo. She has received awards for both research and teaching, including the DARPA Young Faculty Award. Her work has been featured in a live CNN interview, The Wall Street Journal, Wired Magazine, and MIT Technology Review. Welcome, Heather. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for the invitation to be here today. Well, it is a pleasure. We are always dazzled and delighted over here about the ways we can use technology to make our lives happier, more productive, and and better all around. And the development and continued research in nanotechnology is pretty amazing. You know, we had a conversation in the previous half of the show, and I want to learn more about the research that you're doing, which feels like it's even going smaller, tinier, and on a deeper level. Our lab is really excited about nanotechnology because we are trying to develop tools to monitor processes at a level that can't be accessed now with large-scale instrumentation in the lab. And we really believe that if we can create these tools to get down on the level of a cell, then we can understand processes and function, and that we can apply these to monitoring uh, the body. And we develop tools to monitor uh, uh, ion flux, such as electrolyte monitoring, which would be important in dehydration, or small molecules such as glucose, which would be important in areas such as diabetes. And when you talk about measuring these smaller particles, I can see where it would be useful in a whole host of uh, industries, including, I'm thinking, you know, uh, monitoring for drugs, you know, um, when you've got, you know, uh, in the workforce and people who are in recovery, that there would be uh, easier ways to measure what's going on in their bodies, less invasive as well. 
This is a new area of interest for our lab, and we started out by focusing mainly just on uh, biomarkers in the body. But recently we have discovered that we can create our sensors to monitor drugs directly, and one of the areas we've worked in is lithium detection, um, which would be important for treating bipolar disorder. And the interesting thing about lithium usage is that it has a very narrow therapeutic index, which means that when you give a dose of a drug, you need to give enough of it so that it's effective, right? But not too much of it so that it would be toxic. And, the, and lithium is very narrow in that range, right? So if you had a personalized monitoring device so that you could know exactly that you're in the perfect amount of dosage, um, we could then tailor that dosage for an individual. And so our sensors work out really well here because we can embed them into the skin like a tattoo and monitor the fluorescence through the skin. Um, and that fluorescence then correlates to the lithium concentration in the body. And we have shown that we can monitor um, in animals, of course, and we're not in humans yet, uh, the exact dosage that is given to uh, an individual, which could then lead to personalized monitoring down the road. Well, I can see this opening up a, a whole industry, the personalized monitoring just for general medication, someone who's undergoing cancer treatment, fertility, you know, mo either monitoring fertility or monitoring fertility treatment you know, how to, or infertility treatment, I should say. It, it really opens up such a, a, a vast field, but your approach is a little bit different. And you mentioned a little bit about this sort of the, the embedded uh, monitoring versus the wearable field, you know, the, the, um, the Fitbits and the smartphones that have apps that are connecting um, technologies to databases that physicians are monitoring. Yeah, so we're, very similar in some ways and very different in others. We really would like to uh, connect what we are measuring to mobile devices. Um, and we have shown that we can do this actually with an iPhone, but we're much more interested in the chemistry within the body and we're developing our sensors to reside there because there's, there's so much to be learned outside the body, obviously with things like Fitbit and the wearable devices but the real chemistry is going on inside. And so if we can create a sensor that is reporting on what's going on inside of the body to the outside world, then all of this information could, could be connected with a single device. And would that include even basic um, vital chemistry monitoring like triglycerides, cholesterol, and, and, and things like this? We want to develop, we're, we're working right now on developing a CHEM7 uh, monitor. So if you go and get a blood draw, uh, there are seven major analytes that might be measured, such as sodium or glucose. And we would like to first develop a tattoo that will measure all seven of those analytes simultaneously. And then we would like to push the, the uh, technology further and see what more we can measure. So yes. Very cool. Talk a little bit about the tattoo itself, the size, how it's embedded, the pain level of having this 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 thing installed. <laughs> and then, you know, I think we should talk about the creep factor, why this may put some people off. It doesn't sure. put me off. I think it's pretty exciting. <laughs> so it's a three-component system. And the first component is the tattoo. The second is the injection device. And the third is the monitor. 
So the first component of that is the tattoo, and each particle is uh, about 100 nanometers in diameter, and we put chemistry within the core of that sensor, um, and it's always within, in equilibrium with its environment, which means that it's always measuring what's going on around it, and it can report. So if we shine light on the sensor, it fluoresces, and the intensity of that fluorescence has been tuned to correlate to what we're trying to measure. So we can take sodium as an example. Um, and so if the sodium changes in the body where we've put the sensor, then our sensor responds to that. And then if we shine light on the sensor, the intensity of that light is either dimmer or brighter depending on the sodium concentration. Um, the second part of that device is how we inject it into the skin. And I will say that that is probably the area that we um, are not working in as much right now. Uh, we use a standard just uh, insulin syringe to do the injection into the skin. It's a single injection. Um, you can see a very small uh, fluorescent uh, bump, basically, in the skin. Um, and uh, it stays in that, that area in which we've injected it. Uh, ultimately, we would like to see this be uh, application, uh, an applicator, such as a microneedle device that would be preloaded and the user could inject it themselves, but we haven't worked uh, a lot on that area. And finally, wait a the second. Part, and, wait, oh, I yeah, just want to add yeah. one thing about it and of an insulin needle. Really, the yeah. the um, point of an insulin needle is about like a, a strand of hair. So it's quite small. That's pretty. It's, that's pretty thin. It is very thin, and it and thus it's not a very. I mean, it's not a particularly painful injection if we look at insulin needles, right? I mean, we obviously don't work in humans now to report on the pain of the injection. But we would like it to be even smaller and even less, uh, even more user-friendly, basically, so that uh, it would be a pain-free injection. And then since it is a, you apply it and then you can monitor it remotely, um, it wouldn't be like right now doing finger prick monitoring where every single uh, measurement requires breaking the skin. What's amazing about this, I mean, and you know, we think of nanotechnology, and it and and it's here, and it's a buzzword that you you read a lot uh, about today. But when when you really think about just how small these components are, and the hard work that they are able to accomplish, it, it is it's amazing. We think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. It all so. comes down to chemistry, right? And. If you think about our sensors and injecting them into the skin, they're about a millimeter. The, the tattoo itself is about a millimeter in size, which is really small. But each one of those injections, each one of those tattoos is composed of hundreds of thousands to maybe even a million nanosensors that have been injected into the skin. So they're, they're really very, very small compared to the scale of the body. And 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 really, this is all in the service in service to improving lives, you know, to delivering better better medical monitoring and better ultimately better medical care, which is going to improve our lives, improve our lifespans, and improve the efficacy. I'm thinking with which medications are delivered. We think so because it, so I teach pharmacokinetics. And one of the things that really struck me while I was teaching my class 
And you would think it would be kind of in parallel to my research, not converging. But what really struck me was that I am teaching my students equations and uh, methods for understanding how the body processes drugs. But all of this is based on a very small amount of data that people take, right? And so you take that single blood draw and people have to make decisions on dosing or care based on a single point in time. And I think glucose is one of the easiest um, areas to think about, right? So if you take a single glucose reading, that could be normal, but normal and going up or normal and going down or normal and it's going to stay normal for an hour. And you would change how you treated that patient based on that trend if you could, right? But what you really have is that single point in time. And so you might think, okay, it's normal. I'm not going to do anything. But what if it's normal and it's going down quickly? You just don't know. And so to give that extra information can be so powerful. Um, We're going to need to jump off to a break and come back because there are a lot of thoughts that I want to explore with you about this and especially the glucose monitoring. To learn more about the work of Dr. Heather Clark and nanotechnology, connect with her on Twitter. She loves connecting with people there at Clark Nano. Here come the tunes. We will be right back. That's a promise. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about nanotechnology. We're talking about our future, how our our actual medical future is being affected by developments in chemistry and, and, and technology. My guest is Heather Clark. She is a professor in the Department of Pharmaceutical Sciences at Northeastern University. And we were talking about um, the work that she is doing and the technology that is being developed to monitor, for example, um, glucose and other um, biology. Heather, you were talking about teaching a class in pharmacokinetics, and I'm sorry if I have um, probably taken that name apart, but explain what that is to our listeners. 
pharmacokinetics is a part of science that describes the process of drugs in the body. So basically, if you think about what happens if you take a pill, say you took Advil, and it goes to the stomach, it has to then distribute into your body in order to become effective, because if it resides there, nothing will happen. And so the process that occurs is that it is first dissolved and then absorbed into the body. Once it's absorbed into the bloodstream, it then travels through the bloodstream until it can then get into the tissue of the body and find its target. But it's a competing process because the body is always trying to eliminate that drug from the body, right? And that is a great response for the body, but it is not a great response if you're trying to dispense a drug because everybody is going to have a slightly different time scale in which this occurs. And so that's kind of the issue with dosing a particular drug is that you or I are going to process that drug just slightly differently um, than each other. And then if you think about somebody with maybe uh, organ failure or some sort of disease, that processing can be even more different. Or maybe if you ate a heavy meal, it could be even different. And so there are all these competing processes that prevent a drug from getting to its target effectively. And so, you know, with our sensors, you know, to get back to the sensors, what would be really exciting is if we can then monitor that drug more effectively and say, okay, it's getting into the body uh, really well, but it's being cleared too fast. What are we going to do now with the dosing of that drug? And then maybe even more exciting is to monitor the downstream effects as well, right? So that drug might be getting into the body. And so let's measure a second thing and know whether it's being effective in its treatment. I am confounded in a very positive way about this because I see, you know, you know, we were talking about glucose monitoring, for example, and if you can monitor the the um, the blood and you then can monitor the delivery of insulin or other you know, oral agents, whatever is being taken, can you also, in the future, customize and adjust? the delivery of the medication based upon measuring what's going on in real time. If somebody, their sugar is fine, but they have a stressful event, or let's say they're getting sick, typically two things that would elevate blood sugar, you can accommodate and adjust for that uptick, and I would think also the downturn of the sugar, if somebody's on a pump, for example. We really feel like one of the... Uh, powerful aspects of this technology is that we will understand each individual's baseline normal. And if we can understand in a continuous fashion, and so if we can understand, let's say, your baseline normal, if there's a very small fluctuation in what is normal to you, this could be an indicator that something is, is going wrong with your body, such as a cold is coming on, or if you have diabetes, that your blood sugar is starting to uh, waver. And Mm -hmm. thus, by knowing what your normal is, which is, you know, different than my normal, that small changes can then be a predictor instead of letting it get to the point of large changes, right? And so uh, we could potentially keep people in more of a healthy state by knowing what your healthy means. 
Yeah, I, I, and this is where I see our future going in terms of healthcare, that it becomes very, very customized, very individual, individualistic, and therefore the, the, the care that's delivered on the other side of that is just laser targeted, which, um, you know, when you look at people who are being over-medicated for a lot of things, you know, a lot of things are ailing a lot of people. And, you know, it, if they have this uh, condition, they're given this pill. And if they have another condition, they're given another pill. And there's not necessarily very good or effective monitoring going on between the interactions or even if one condition improves or not. And certainly there's an entire set of healthy population that does not need monitoring or does not want monitoring. But for those individuals who are struggling with chronic conditions. I do think that having a more individualized monitoring could help regulate a lot of these medication schedules. Well, it's the, it's the monitoring of something is wrong, but I, I mean, I, I like the idea of being able to mo monitor subtle parts of my body chemistry that could signal that I'm at risk for a heart attack or I'm at risk for a stroke or I'm at risk for anything. Even Dr. Malton, the previous half of the show was talking about even, um, our, our, our skeletons. If we start to have, um, body alignment issues that could be predictors of a hip going or a knee going, I, I mean, that's amazing. I do think so. I mean, I think the field has a long way to go for for a lot of those areas, certainly. But I I do very much believe that uh, for those who have been diagnosed with a chronic condition, I, I think that being able to monitor could bring a little relief from concern over whether or not you know the condition is worsening or getting better. I think that it could then take the uh, yeah, the concern out of that area a little bit. I think it just streamlines it and makes it a little bit more controlled too. Now you say at the present time you are experimenting um, in the lab with animals. What is the future and how long do you think it will be before we start to see humans participate in these experiments? That's a really good question, and I think a lot of it comes down to the eventual market need instead of a technology push. And obviously, we would like to push our technology into many different areas, and, and quite often when I talk about this, I talk about lithium or I talk about sodium or I talk about glucose because there are so many areas we could move into. I think it will be important for us and for other labs working in these areas to identify where is the real need. And then that would set the tone for a more fluid path forward through getting into uh, areas such as clinical trials or, uh, you know, uh, going through the FDA approval. And, and that's not a short process. That is a multi-year process. So we're still looking at several years before this nanotechnology is brought to the average individual, but the likelihood that testing will begin on humans in the near future is pretty good. I mean, glucose seems to be, or lithium, a very good place to start. I mean, especially because people who monitor their glucose are um, pricking themselves multiple times in a day to check their um glucose levels. And then if they're on insulin, they are injecting themselves multiple times a day. So this uh, technology would be a pain-free delivery. 
It is, and glucose is a very interesting market to think about, actually, because although to you and I it seems like, well, this technology might be better or different or whatever, I mean, with glucose, there is a, a usable solution right now. So maybe the path forward for nanotechnology isn't as clear um, because uh, we have to prove ourselves um, in a field in which is very new. And so uh, it's, it's a difficult path forward, I believe, to go, go down the area of glucose. Well, I think you're on a great path. Uh, we are out of time. I want to direct our listeners over to connect with you on Twitter at Clark Nano. Thank you, Dr. Heather Clark from the Department of Pharmaceutical Sciences at Northeastern University. Check out Heather online. She's got some really cool articles and profiles about the work that she is doing and her colleagues are doing. And I really am grateful to you for A, being with me, but more importantly, for the research that you're doing and the gift you're giving the world. So thank you. Thank you. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Dr. James Malt and Dr. Heather Clark, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.